There is a country beyond that which is known to humankind. A stray country. A country that exists west of October. Whose borders are somewhere between midnight train whistles and the distant hell of a dog. A country that lies somewhere in the stitched and jittering static between radio stations. A country that drifts through America like a traveling salesman. But every now and then stops the nest on a small town. A small church. A single street. And maybe, just maybe, some kind of delayed radio broadcast you've stuffed in your ears. Chapter 11, The Best Killer in the Slaughterhouse Freddy said that Jimmy Beller said he heard in gym class that if you entered the name Zelda as your character name, you'll start right on the second quest. Jack explained. But what is the second quest? Billy asked. Oh, well, all the dungeons are rearranged and in different locations. Oh. And the items you get from the dungeons are different, and most dungeons have multiple boss fights instead of one. Sounds harder. Yeah, that's the point, William. Don't call me that. Jack waved his hand through the air like he was erasing the mistake from the blackboard sky. Yeah, yeah. The warning bell rang. Five minutes until school started. Jack, still walking, looked up at the big old book-learning ballroom fifty yards away and groaned. (sighs) I don't think I can stomach even half a day. Billy looked at his older brother. Jack scrunched his lips, like it helped him think. He stopped walking. Hey, what if you meet me by the tree after first period? What for? To slough school, of course. Instead of waiting until school's over, we'll go to the mall, pick up the game, and sneak into the basement and play. But what if Mom sees us walking the streets? We'll jump fences, go backyards, cross streets when there aren't any cars around. But what about the neighbors? They might call her, like old lady Copley, who once, when me and my friends jumped her fence to get to Carl's house faster, called out Mom and told her I was peeping in her windows. Jack snorted. (laughs) Yeah, like anyone would want to see her naked. Her husband doesn't even want to see her naked. Where do you think I get the magazines for? Jack got quiet. You steal their mail? Steal is such a... Catholic word, Billy. No, no, I don't steal. I just, uh, capitalize on their mailbox. That's all. Look, old man Copley's got like five different subs. He's not gonna miss one magazine once in a while. Besides, he can just call and say his issue didn't come, and they send him another. How do you... Never mind. Billy shook his head. You're not gonna... No. Billy droned. I'm not gonna tell Mom. The well-rehearsed line came out very, very flat. Look, anyways, let's cut class early, go to the mall, get the game, and by third period when the rest of the suckers are sweating it out under Pythagorean's theorem, we'll be far away in Hyrule. I don't know, I have an English test? Yeah, Mrs. Wright, look, you missed her class before? No. Then she won't suspect you weren't really sick. What if she asked for a note? I'll get you a note. You do know who you're talking to, don't you? How? I'll get you one, okay? Hey, Billy, it's me. 
I don't know. What if we, we won't get caught? They were almost to the doors now. The air outside was drummed raw by the idling engines of school buses and saddled leaden with the scent of boiled gasoline. Trust me, Jack said with a smile. I don't know, Jack. Jack sighed heavy as they passed through the doors into school. He looked down the hall south, then back to Billy. Look, I'll be at the tree at the end of first period. I'll wait five minutes. If you'd rather take an English test than play Legend of Zelda, suit yourself. But no, I'll even let you go first. And Jack was gone, and Billy did what the lowest class men in junior high should do, which was walk the halls as carefully and smallly as possible, willing himself into invisibility, crawling next to corners, crooking foot through cracks, praying to God not to be seen or worse, noticed. Touched, harassed, picked on, flipped, kicked, swatted, or even breathed on. Praying to himself on top of the first prayer that God heard the prayers of kids walking the junior high halls. The prayer of a kid not on his knees and holding too many secular tomes to cross himself. Then there were the secondary, afterthought kind of prayers. The ones that leaked from a boy's mind more than they were spoken in his mind. Prayers that wished to be noticed by girls. Any girls. But especially the older girls, almost to women girls, with breasts rising like hot air balloons. Junior high is just a kind of grotesque stock exchange, each kid with their own ticker symbol. And just like fourth quarter profits and astronomical dividends and 300% growth in Asian markets will rise the price of a stock, so would a boy's stock rise by association with women. The more, the better. The higher the age differential, even finer. Yes, you could readily figure the worth of a boy by judging the number of women outstanding. And just like that merry-go-round rode by grown boys in suits on Wall Street, so were things topsy-turvy in a junior high stock exchange. Namely, that what really affected a boy's worth was not his earnings which might be adequately measured in kindness, geniality, sense of humor, ability to travel well, tendency to empathize, sympathy, degree of culture, amount of class, and general character warmth. But by the capricious mewlings of investor girls' sentiments, attitudes, and expectations. And just like with New York's carousel of capital, there were many schoolboy theories to explain the way girls noticed what they noticed when they noticed it. And one theory might well explain one particular woman for one particular moment, but there was no theory to explain them all. And many men and boys pissed away a good portion of their life trying to find it. Yes, junior high was, above all else, a hellish and disorganized church service, full of the dichotomy of wanting to be seen for your sins and wanting to be ignored for your virtues, and heavily frosted with the madcap, idiot lullabies of devil-may-care players and death-defying prayers. 
Of course, junior high was a hard place for God to hear any prayers, being that it was the life and center of the lake of fire itself. Nevertheless, Billy thanked God as he slid into his desk unscathed, but in truth, it was genetics what had made him hard to see. And it was in his chair that his ears radio dial tuned into one particular conversation. One word, really, plucked from the static of the schoolhouse flock. One word, thrown between three boys, passed around uneasily, like a gun still warm from a killing still chain-smoking murder out the barrel. A word that did not match boys' lips. Like the boys were actors in an old spaghetti western with bad lip sync. A mob of letters that did not belong amongst the gibbering white noise of only quit breast milk last decade kids. A slur to put every jawbreaker to shame. A word kids never said. Knowing to say it was to risk cracking a mouth on an attic full of birds. Some horrible thing sewn together of letters, lung pumps, and a slideshow of Grandpa's funeral. The three may as well have been altar boys did not know what to do with this bag of something covered in blood soiling the chapel floor right there in front of them, which was how the word felt, something that had crossed shadows with a killer. Or how to decide who must take the one hell of a gamble and touch the something bloody sack and after who would throw it out, and where. Yes, that was what passing around this one word was like. The kind of thing a boy doesn't want to hold and passes it with a take it. And the next boy doesn't want to hold it and passes it to a third with a take it. And the third back to the second with a no you. And the second back to the first with a no you take it. And on into eternity. Dead. 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 No way. What? Dead? Like dead dead? Dead. Like dead dead. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. How do you know? Heard it from Brett Robinson. He lives next door. Saw the body himself this morning as they carted it into the ambulance. Ambulance? And maybe he's not dead. They don't send the ambulance if they're already dead, do they? Dumbass. How was his parents to know? They just knew he wasn't breathing, so they sent the ambulance. What is the 911 going to say? Take his pulse so we know whether to send out the ambulance or the hearse? Huh? I'm just saying. He's dead then? That's what Brett said. But how? They don't want people to know. Who? His parents, dumbass. Why? The kid lowered his voice. Because they say it was suicide. Suicide? Keep your voice down, fucktard. Sorry, but suicide? No way, man. Find that hard to believe. 
Yeah, he told me he had a date with Jenny Hale Friday night. That's tonight. Yeah, that's tonight. Why would he kill himself the night before a date with Jenny Hale? All I know is what Brett told me. He overheard he suffocated himself. Oh, shit. But why? Did he leave a note? Don't think so, man. If he did, they ain't found nothing. Who? Billy was standing. When had he left his desk? He couldn't say. But now he stood over the boys like a naked tree in winter. The boys looked Billy wrong, but saw the basement leaking behind his eyes, and in a rare act of junior high boy upperclassman mercy, the kid with the details stood and put a hand on Billy's shoulder. It was Eddie, man. Eddie Schneider. What? What did he use? Billy's voice was thin. A plastic sack, you know, kind of get from 7-Eleven or something. <laughs>